We are in Colossians chapter 3, and we're talking about seeking things above, keeping our eyes on the prize, keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. We've got to set our mind on the right things, and that seems to be the biggest battle. We'll delve into that more and how you can be effective in walking with Jesus today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Fathers, we get into some of the more practical sections of the book of Colossians. Thank you for instructions, flight instructions. Lord, we need them so desperately. And sometimes when we're on a plane, we tune out that person giving the flight instructions, but uh, we need them, especially if something goes haywire. And in our world, well, every day we face bumpy rides and difficulty and sometimes passengers that annoy us. And <laughs> Lord, oh, we need all the help we can get. And so I just pray that you would give us flight instructions today to uh, navigate this world that we live in and to keep seeking things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Thank you that we have an advocate on high who is for us and not against us. Thank you that you are on our side and you want to bless your people with uh, blessings ab above what we could even ask or imagine. You are so good to us, Lord. And sometimes we feel so undeserving of your goodness. But thank you that you are patient. Thank you that you are good. And thank you that you want us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. So, Lord, as we talk about how to live the Christian life, and we all need help on this subject, Lord, um, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears to what the Spirit would say to your church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many of you could use some help living the Christian life? Anybody? Okay. How many of you have figured it out? Because I'm going to have you come up here if you have. The Christian life is not an easy thing. Uh, so don't let anybody fool you and say that they have it all together because nobody does. Nobody has the Christian life all together. But we are striving towards, as Pastor Brian put it last week, the ascending life. We want to go higher with Christ. And we know there are things that are constantly dragging us down. And they're difficult things. They're not easy things. Sometimes they seem to be more intensified at certain periods of our lives and at other times, the, the weight of the burden of ourself and our sin seems heavier at times than other times. And we've come to an intersection in the book of Colossians where uh, we're going to have two major themes. They're, they're very simple themes, but they say a lot. One of the ways that the Christian life is captured in living in it is what you seek, what you seek. So if you're a note taker, that's just kind of a basic outline. And the second idea or metaphor is what you put on and what you put off. It's a metaphor, most scholars would say, of clothing. So it's about what you pay attention to and then what you put on and what you need to put off. Those are the major themes. And this is picking up something that we looked at earlier in Colossians 2. If you look at verse 6, it says, Colossians 2, 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Colossians 2, 6. Verse 7 says, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. And then a warning, see to it that no one 
takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So chapter three is going to really flesh out, if you will, chapter two, verses six and seven. How do you walk with the Lord? How do you do this on a Monday morning as much as you would do it on a Sunday morning? How do you fight the good fight of faith? How do you take hold of eternal life? How do you live um, a different life? Something that is new and fresh and not like the world. Well, we get the opening idea here in chapter three, verse one, as we are introduced to seeking things above. It says, if or since, chapter three, verse one, and you could translate this either way. Since then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking, this is a present tense, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Of Robert Murray McShane, the devout 19th century Scottish pastor, an evangelist, a friend once said of him, the man of whom I speak seemed to have got up to the full height and to have entered into the secret places of the holiness of God. When McShane preached the gospel, you could see strong men, hard and stern, melt as wax before the fire. Their breasts would swell and heave as if they would burst and the whole place become a place of weepers. He learned to live in the heavenlies and to reach souls on earth. I'm trying to learn that as I live the Christian life, how to live in the heavenlies. The Bible says that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the reality of who I am, positionally before God. But practically, it is hard to stay in the heavenlies when you live on this planet, right? There's so many distractions. And we are exhorted here in chapter 3, verse 1, to keep seeking the things above and one of the things that we might want to say right now is we have to keep re-seeking the things of God because we get distracted. Some of you are very focused people, and some of you have those disorders. What do they call those? Uh, ADHD, and you just can't focus, right? Somebody can be talking to you, and you're, you got, you're processing about 15 other things, right? Uh, we, we all can have those problems. Sometimes we're trying to minister or focus on a person, and it's hard. Guys have this problem if there's a ball game on the television. How many of you wives can understand? What's going on? So I would just, only a few wives can understand. I don't even know what's going on. Anyway, so there's, there's a time that we got to just put the distractions aside. Multitasking can be beneficial, but in your spiritual life, you want to have a focus on the things above. What are the things above? That sounds very spiritual and kind of like out there. What does that mean, the things above? Does that mean that you spend your life like this? Well, if you do that, you're going to run into a bunch of stuff, right? So I don't think that that's what it means. Although in the Jewish idea, sometimes when they would pray, they would actually look up and pray. We often look down or we close our eyes but the Jews would often look up as they pray. And so it's this idea of keeping your eyes where they need to be. If you've been raised up with Christ, and as a Christian you have, you've experienced a spiritual resurrection that's anticipating your physical resurrection. We are to keep seeking the things above. I don't think that this really means the throne of God, like physical things. I think this is everything having to do with Jesus Christ. We need to seek him. The book of Hebrews paints it as a race that we're running. And as we run this race, we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. This is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. 
And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the idea of the Greek there is to look away from other things and to look at him. If you've ever done any kind of racing in terms of track and field, they tell you to look ahead, don't look down and don't look back. And there's some famous races where someone had the lead in the closing stretch and they looked back and uh, they ended up losing the race because they were so focused on looking back instead of looking at the finish line. Jesus is at the finish line. He's cheering us on. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. I saw a funny video. I think it was yesterday or the day before. There was a, a guy who was running on the um, warning track of the outfield. He was going to win some sort of prize at a baseball game. And they had another guy in like this sleek running suit. And he was going to catch him. And this guy, you know, he was basically given this huge head start. So he's on the warning track of this pro baseball field. And he's running. And he, he thinks he's got the lead. And this, this guy that you know, took off way behind him, is catching him fast, but he's so busy thinking he's got this in the bag that he's, you know, waving to the fans and, yeah, I got it. And this guy, all of a sudden, is sneaking up on his left and he's like shocked. And not only was he shocked that he was getting passed, but he fell on his face and did a face plant in the dirt in front of about 40,000 fans. And it kept playing on ESPN over and over again. So that's the kind of fame you want, huh, right? You think you got it in the bag and all of a sudden you're eating dirt. That's kind of how the Christian life can be sometimes, huh? We think we got it in the bag. We're cool. We're fine. No one's going to catch me. I'm good. And all of a sudden we're picking dirt out of our teeth, right? And so we got to stay focused on the race. And it's been said well that the race of the Christian life is not a sprint. It is a marathon. And sometimes, you know, we have to just kind of Say, Lord, I don't have it within me. I think this is all the time. And, you know, we talk about when you run a marathon, you got to dig deep for extra stuff, you know. you got to pass thresholds of pain. Turn to Hebrews 11.5, so that he should not see death. If you've ever read the story of Enoch in Genesis 5, it says, He walked with the Lord, and he was not, for God took him. Interestingly enough, it seems like he didn't start walking with the Lord until the birth of Methuselah. By the way, Methuselah's name means his death will bring it. Bring what? Most scholars believe his name means his death will bring the flood. Can you imagine if Methuselah was up playing in a tree? And you know, the moment he dies, the flood's coming. Methuselah's up in a tree. No, get him down. His death's going to bring the flood. Anyway, it'd be a tough life. (laughs) For he, Enoch, obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who, New King James, diligently seek him. Do you know that that verse that we quote all the time in context is about Enoch? That's the flow of the verses. And we always wonder, well, what did Enoch do that was so different than Other people that he had such a testimony and such a walk with God that God took him up. He said, just come up here, man. You're so close to me. We might as well just be hanging out in fellowship. You know what Enoch did that's different from a lot of people? He sought the Lord. He kept seeking the things above. And finally, God says, just come up here because you spend so much time here anyway. Just come on up. You're seeking the things above. And he obtained a testimony that he was a man of faith. Matthew 6, go there for a second. Matthew 6, look at verse 31. Jesus is preaching the famous Sermon on the Mount. And he's telling 
those who are listening not to be anxious about their lives, which we all need to hear, Matthew 6, 31. And he says these famous words. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Time can really get away from you. The day-to-day hustle can sometimes leave little time for the more important things in life, like Bible study. Remember that Pastor Michael's teachings can be heard at any time, day or night, on walkintruth.com. You don't have to worry that you have to get out of the car right now, because today's teaching is already online, ready for you to listen when it's most convenient for you. Visit walkintruth.com today to hear all of Pastor Michael Lance's teachings to date. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Such a testimony and such a walk with God that God took him up. He said, just come up here, man. You're so close to me. We might as well just be hanging out in fellowship. You know what Enoch did that's different from a lot of people? He sought the Lord. He kept seeking the things above, and finally God says, just come up here because you spend so much time here anyway. Just come on up. You're seeking the things above. And he obtained a testimony that he was a man of faith. Matthew 6, go there for a second. Matthew 6, look at verse 31. Jesus is preaching the famous Sermon on the Mount, and he's telling those who are listening not to be anxious about their lives, which we all need to hear, Matthew 6, 31. And he says these famous words. He says, don't be anxious, 6, 31 of Matthew, then saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? Matthew 6, 32. For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. That's what they seek. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For your heavenly Father knows that that you need all these things. But, and we all know this, right? Seek what? First, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Go back to Colossians 3. Look, there are going to be other things in your life that you're going to seek. Like you're going to seek employment. You're going to try to make a living. You're going to want to enjoy your life. It doesn't mean that there's not other things that you pay attention and look at as a Christian. But you're to seek first the kingdom of God. Amen? And then all the other things that we worry about so often will be added to us. It's about your priorities. It's about what you seek first. What do you do first thing in the morning? Look at verse 2 of Colossians 3. Here's more detail, more instructions. Set your mind on the things above. I think, again, that's a reference to Jesus himself. Not on the things that are on the earth. Set your mind. The Greek word here is phronio. Paul uses it 23 times in the New Testament. It means to exercise the mind to be mentally disposed, intensively to interest oneself in. It means to direct your mind to seek, to strive for. It has the idea, two main ideas to uh, set your mind is concentration and preoccupation. Some years ago, we used to spend a lot of time at the farm in Norco where they do the annual craft fair. And there was this dog that was there, and they had several dogs there. And this dog's name was Sammy. And Sammy was the pine cone chasing dog. He would play pine cone catch with you for a week straight if you would throw that thing. And so he would bring you a pine cone, and that was the beginning of the game. And if you, if you started doing it, this is a five-acre property, you just knew that, okay, you know, Sammy's not going to give up. So he'd come up, <laughs> and he'd hand you the pine cone, and you could hold the thing, and he would just sit there, and his eyes were locked on this pine cone. 
Nothing would distract this dog from that pine cone. He would just, have you ever seen dogs? They just, <laughs> they don't move. And so he'd just wait and wait and wait. You could have a conversation. You could have a sandwich, a cup of tea, and Sammy would just wait there. And then you just try to throw the thing as far as you could. And Sammy would go on a mission. <laughs> and inevitably, Sammy would come back with the pine cone. Was it the original pine cone that you had? Some of you are asking the question. We ended up putting a GPS device on the... No, I just... But Sammy would track that pine cone down, and he would drop it at your feet, and then he would refix his gaze. <laughs> and he would wait for you to throw the thing again. And he had preoccupation and concentration. In the game of golf, this is what they say the key is. you got to stay concentrated on that little white ball. Right? It's not moving. You should be able to hit it, right? You would think. <laughs> but sometimes, when you're supposed to hit it, something happens to your head. Something like this. They say in golf, every time you look up, you see a bad shot. So we say to our friends, I'll tell you what, <laughs> sometimes you know the whoosh, and they go, that was just a practice swing. This is a Christian league, isn't it? Okay, we'll give you grace. Go ahead. We know. <laughs> then we finally say, okay, you watch the ball, and we'll tell you where it goes, okay? Because we always want to look up first, right? We want to see where that good shot's going to go. <laughs> well, you can't do that. If you watch video of a pro golfer, their head stays back here until the ball's long gone, and then they look up to see where it went. And it usually goes in much better places than my golf ball goes. As John the Beloved likes to say, my golf ball, instead of spending time in green pastures, often goes in still waters. <laughs> or not so still waters once my ball goes in. Have you ever heard of somebody describe a person as somebody like this? If he or she sets their mind to something they can do anything. Are you one of those people? You have some friends, if they say they're going on a diet, they do it, right? And you say to them, man, come on, just have one cookie. <laughs> you ever been? <laughs> You're like a total stumbling block to them, right? Just have a cookie. You can't be all or nothing kind of person. Have a cookie. Have some balance in your life. Nope. And then I say, okay, I'll have yours. If you're not going to have it, I'll... We get distracted by worry, the cares of this world, and they often choke our focus. And we have to cry out to God, oh, Lord, help me. I'm, I can be anxious. I know the Bible says to be anxious for nothing, but sometimes I'm anxious for everything. <laughs> and so we need all the help we can get. Verse 3 says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The word hidden is krupto in Greek, and it means to conceal, to hide, to be hidden. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are in Christ, and he's got you covered. Praise God. You don't have to worry. He's got you in his capable hand. And this idea of your life is hidden with Christ in God 
has the idea of some of the Psalms where it says, you are my hiding place, you are my shelter. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Hide me so that you are my refuge and strength. And, and those are the realities that we have in God. But the idea of hidden also means that the reality is often hidden to those around us. If I looked at a room of 500 people and I said, could I point out which ones are Christians just by looking at people? I can't always tell who's a Christian. Now, sometimes I have an idea when I meet somebody. You ever meet somebody and you go, are you a Christian? And they're like, oh, yeah. And you could just tell. But if you were to look at a room of hundreds of people, you can't. And I, some of you have halos, I know. Some of you are the exception. Oh, angels just sing over you. We, we know that. You guys will just put aside for a second. <laughs> but sometimes the reality of who we are is actually hidden from others. When will that be manifest? When will who we are truly be known? Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Right now we're in a battle. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet appeared, not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him just as he is. But right now, it's hidden. In what sense? We have, in theology, what's called an already, not yet. We are right with God. We have experienced a spiritual resurrection, but there's a not yet uh, feature to our salvation in that I'm a Christian, but I haven't experienced all the fullness of my salvation in that I don't have a resurrection body yet. I haven't seen the Lord face to face yet. I am already a Christian, but there's a lot of things that are not yet. So I'm waiting for those things. And some of them are tied to the second coming. Some of them are tied to my own uh, time when I will leave this planet and be with the Lord. Therefore, in light of this, verse 5, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to five things in verse 5. All of them, I think most scholars agree, have to do with sexual sin. Verse 5 says, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. If you have the NIV, it's, or the New King James, it says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature or whatever belongs to the members which are on the earth. And they are immorality. The Greek word here is pornea. Impurity. This is a word that speaks of moral filthiness. Passion, which could be positive or negative, but here it has the negative connotation. Evil desire and greed. Greed is often thought of just in the sense of money, but it can be greed for more and more and more experiences, and it could speak of sexual sin as well. In the ancient world, when pagans became Christians, their whole lives and even their religious system was tied to sexual immorality. And so what they did in the pagan temples and what they felt was acceptable, in fact, uh, because it was so much of their religious ceremony, sexual sin was not even seen the way it is today. And so they had, a, they had to break a lot of the thought patterns and a lot of the chains that were on them coming out of paganism. Because oftentimes you could, just to be blunt, you could go up to the temple and be with a temple prostitute and it was part of a religious ceremony. And so now you become a Christian and you start hearing about this idea of pornea. You, you start hearing that, you know, the Bible actually teaches that any relationship in that sense um, outside of marriage is sin. And so 
If I were to ask you right now, how do you think our culture is doing with that area of life? Uh, not so good. And then if I were to ask you, how do you think the church is doing in that area? And I think if you were sitting at my desk week in and week out, I could tell you, it's not always very positive. Well, folks, we know that pornea or pornography is rampant in our world. It's rampant, sadly, in the church. And these issues were brought up in the first century, and they're still here today because they are very real struggles. And if you're struggling, just know that you're not alone. There are people who have struggled with these issues and overcome them by the power of Christ. And really the key is seeking things above, right where we are in Colossians. It's about looking in a different direction, spending more time looking at the things of God instead of looking at the things of the world. And we could be very literal when we talk about looking. So I'd like to remind you, friends and listening family, that you can listen to this program over and over again. If you miss something, if you want to go back and re-listen to something or even pass on the sermon to somebody else, please visit us at walkintruth.com and you can listen to the teaching. You can listen to previous teachings. You can Get a lot of resources there. So take advantage of it today at walkintruth.com. You can also check out the store at walkintruth.com. Just click on that store, and when you buy something, you're helping support and partner in Walk in Truth and helping us reach more people. Well, as always, I'm blessed that you're listening. Please reach out to us. Tell us about how the program is blessing you. We'd love to hear from you. Our team always treasures the input, especially when we hear about how the program has been a blessing in your life. So we'll talk to you next time on Walk in Truth. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.